Welcome to the Annie Gamers Podcast. This is episode number 67, recorded on Sunday, September 25th, 2016. I am your host, Evan Minto, and with me is, as always, David Estrella. At sign QX20XX. And a returning guest, but not kind of uh, from, from the main show. You've been on once, I think, at a, in a convention episode. It's Danica Harrod. You maybe know what her up? from Crunchyroll <laughs> and now from, uh, from Vice. Yes, I'm at Vice now. And uh, also n- formerly of San Francisco, now in New York. Yeah, I'm, I'm across the jealous. country. <laughs> so yeah, you how, got- is, how's the East Coast been treating you? Um, it's good. I When I moved, I was really overwhelmed because it was so hot. And I I regretted all those times that I talked back to Evan when he called San Franciscans a bunch of babies because people Same in San Francisco babies. are so spoiled. There's no weather yep. there. And then you come here and it's like, it was like blistering, but right now it's really nice. So I'm, I've fully adapted. I think, um, waiting for the snow. Oh, you're well, gonna get it. <laughs> oh my god, you haven't experienced oh that yet. You know the funny thing is, it's actually hot today in San Francisco. It's like 89 degrees. So I went to the beach, which don't don't usually do. Uh, Evan went to the beach. Evan make, went to the club. Oh my I went god, to the club everywhere on Friday, and then Evan, to, today Evan's I went to the weekend. went to the beach. I've I've never been to the club before. I've never been to like a dance club really. Uh, so I went, and um, it's not it's not my thing. I'll tell you that. That was a like, great picture though. Yeah. Like everybody's Wait, matching all black. I didn't see the pic- I got to see the picture. <laughs> it's so the only- it's so good. <laughs> the only pictures we'll, we'll I saw link it in the show notes. The only pictures I saw were like of of um Louie who works at Crunchyroll like dancing with some Salvadorian woman like on the street. <laughs> I think that's an entirely different event you're thinking of. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> okay. Um, but Oops. yeah, no, I, I, I went to the beach today, uh, making me a boy on the shore. Very relevant because we're oh. going to be talking about the Inio Asano manga, Inio Asano manga, A Girl on the Shore. Wow, a boy which, on the shore. Yeah, a boy I didn't on the realize shore, that manga me. was about you. That's the, that's right. the farthest <laughs> the from Evan Minto I've ever... version yes, of me. Yes, exactly. Um, also, uh, you know... At the top of the show, I want to mention uh, I work at Crunchyroll. Danica works at Vice. We don't represent either of those places when we're here on this show. Yes. Thank you. So uh, what, have, what have you uh, been up to, David, since the last episode? Oh, well, right before we started recording, I had picked up again Mob Psycho 100 on the basis of the final Crunchy cast featuring Evan Minto. Yeah, I'm not going to be hosting that show anymore. So mm-hmm. to those of you who maybe switched over to listening to Annie Gamers after I left the Crunchycast, welcome. We hope you enjoy it. Love you guys. Wait, uh, had you not seen it before that, David? You know, I watched two episodes, and I don't think those first two episodes exactly say what kind of show it is. Well, first of all, I am not fully caught up yet. I got up to the episode where he fights the blonde kid. Oh yeah, that's okay. a really yeah, good okay. fight. Okay. What's that? What's that kid's name? Kageyama. Uh, Kageyama. No. That's the main character. Yeah, Kageyama oh, Shigeo. Sh- Shigeo yeah. is the main character. What's the? I always forget the Shiggy. blonde kid's name. Shiggy. <laughs> the blonde kid's <laughs> name is Teru. Teru. Oh, bl- yeah, yeah, oh, okay, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So I wanna, I wanna be on record that Mob is essentially a personified, like he, he's a human cinnamon roll. He is so beautiful and precious of a human being at the end of that episode oh Um, my god you haven't seen anything yet he's like oh my god he is 
what what is the what is the full like meme a beautiful pr- precious cinnamon roll too pure, too for, pure this for this world <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's him that's mob <sighs> just that end of that episode i wasn't even ex- really like expecting it but it just it hit me my feelings were just oh it was just like raw just like emotions just i don't even really know like if i fully understand what it was going for at the end it was kind of like just it was just it was just so human oh, like it was I, I, I was trying to remember what it was like the bit where he he fights terror at the end but there's that, that, right, that yeah. bit at the end where like you've got like you switch over to the narrator and he's just kind of essentially just you know laying down like you know what, what's what's really going on with mob here in this, yeah. in this shot and it's oh the part with his brother and uh, yeah like i know i'm so f- like fully like just going into like really small details on the show but it was just well wow I mean, it's I've, just it's so totally different from one punch man at this point i, I talked about it on uh on the crunchy cast and and i said something very similar to this that's like it has a lot, a shocking amount of heart, considering that it comes from one, the yes. guy who made One Punch Man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, it, I when I first started watching it, I kind of thought like, oh, it's like One Punch Man. It's got this kind of like, it's got this one gag, and then it, it's this a lot of really fun animation and silliness around that. But it's like, no, it's actually, like, it's really silly and absurd, but is actually trying to tell a story, like a real story about these characters. Almost like, I don't know, like Kill La Kill is kind of a good example of something like that, mm-hmm. where it's... It has a lot of heart to it, but it's also patently absurd at every moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like um, I feel like it's probably my favorite anime of 2016, like for sure. Yeah, you know, I like, feel very I'm, strongly about it. <laughs> I'm very cynical, and that's like that's bad because you? I can't really enjoy stuff very often. Like, not I can't really enjoy a whole bunch. Like, I went through a bunch of lists of whatever was airing in winter and spring and summer this year, just because like nothing was really coming to mind. Like the only thing I could remember that I'd watched this year was erased. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I oh, wasn't I like too hot on it. Like looking back. Um, but right now at this point, like mob psycho 100 is definitely poised to be one of my favorite things of this year. Yeah. I mean, it's extremely L- good. Luluko is definitely still, my number one for the year but but mob is is really good yeah as for me uh i finally finished the osamu tezuka story which is a massive just like huge paperback manga release uh i don't know if you've uh, read this danica i know you're a big manga reader Mm -hmm. but it's uh it's from stonebridge press i haven't read it but i've seen it and it's like huge yeah i'm i yeah i don't i don't even feel like i could tackle it it's yeah the thing is it's like it's really dense too which is the the interesting thing it's it's very much an educational like kind of biographical manga mm-hmm. uh, more than it is like a dramatization but it's the story of osamu tezuka's life from when he was in like elementary school until when he died in uh 1989 and tezuka i feel like he needs no introduction at this point but i'll introduce him anyway for those of you who don't know uh creator of astro boy and blackjack uh the the god of manga sort of uh I don't want to say it. People claim that he invented anime and manga. Not really, but he was like very, very influential on early manga. Um, he's like honestly, anime. he may as One well of the have. most. Yeah, right. he's like, like the as, most. As we know the it. most influential. Yeah, yeah. He popularized a lot of conventions, both in the the actual kind of art and storytelling of manga, uh, specifically manga, though also anime. Like he he popularized a lot of those conventions as well as the um, sort of business practices around them, and also made like the first 
major TV anime, which is a big deal. <laughs> it's Astro Boy. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's a really remarkable story. And Tezuka, uh, I'll be writing a review for Anime Gamers soon, but I mean, Tezuka is just like such an amazing person who did such a ridiculous amount of work in his life. And some of the most surprising things are hearing about him just like uh, inking one manga while narrating the layout of another and like the script of another manga to an assistant who would write that down. And he would be literally narrating like, all right, uh, panel takes up the top half uh, and and the, the right third uh, in that panel in the top left. A speech bubble reads this. And that's all while he's inking another manga. Mm-hmm. Like he was Damn. insane. But yeah, it's like, oh, God, it's just characters narrating things the entire time. It's just like and then Tezuka worked on this manga and then he did this this other manga and and it does not read it ironically has has very little of the kind of cinematic uh inertia that tezuka's storytelling had in manga and is a lot more static and boring compositionally (laughs) i feel like that's the most evan mento thing that you could possibly read oh yeah 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 it's and it's (laughs) it's it's funny (laughs) so like yes there's a, the, a friend of ours from Crunchyroll, um, Brandon, who, who Brendan Lee, who Danica knows, uh, who I like. He's not the sort of old school anime fan that I am, but I guess he went to like the uh, Metropolis screening of the anime uh, here oh, cool. in, in San Francisco. And Fred Schott, the translator of uh, of the Osamu Tezuka story, was there and like he got like a copy of it and he read half of it in a night. Oh like, my that gosh. thing took me like three weeks to read. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe just a manga speed reader. But what about you, Danica? I know you're you're watching Mob Psycho. You have anything else? So there was a bunch of stuff that I actually started at the beginning of the season. It was like when I was leaving Crunchyroll and moving. So I like I was trying to keep up, but I fell off of everything. The w- one thing that I watched like a bunch of just because I'm so invested in the franchise was Berserk. Um, oh yeah. And I think, like, I felt super obligated to watch it because I fought so hard for that to be on Crunchyroll. Like, we met with mm. we met with the screenwriter, like, God, like, a year ago. And we were like, please give us this anime. And um, it's funny because when, when we got it, he DM'd me. It's the guy who did, who, like, worked on Psychopaths 2. Oh. Um, oh, the, oh, the part of Psychopaths that everybody loves? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he DM'd me and he was like, thank you for berserk let's let's fighting you know it was like very very cute yeah, and okay. japanese let's and so fighting. cute but yep. but um the anime i was just i can't I, I watched like five episodes and i was like oh this is very nostalgic but i just could not handle how utterly bad the the 3d was it was like it was like ajin level bad it was like and the 2d yeah. like I, I was looking forward to like when the when there would be like breaks from the 3D and there was 2D mm-hmm. and like some of the shots were really good like the close-ups of like Gut's face with like the cross the cross hatching that was going on um but even the 2D was like it was like lazy and bad it like it looks like they didn't have any budget going into that so i mean that's interesting i actually it does not look low budget to me uh but it's hard to tell. I mean, I've made this point before that like budget's a hard thing to judge by just looking at something yeah uh, yeah yeah but so I, I haven't like actually sat down and watched it. I've done the sort of uh, typical Crunchyroll employee thing, which is watch it when it's on the TVs at work mm-hmm, while mm-hmm. you're walking to get a glass of water. Yeah, uh, that's the extent of my experience with the new Berserk anime. But it's uh, what I've seen of it, it. 
yeah, it's just very typical of like 3D CG in in anime, and it doesn't look like they didn't put money into it. It just looks like like whatever the reason is. Like I guess they just don't have animators who know what to do to make I feel like 3D look smooth and like not <laughs> choppy and robotic. I mean, I definitely feel like you already hate. 3d and anime as is right like you are very like you are very anti it's 3d uh I, okay I mean, you like the i'm elements. very critical of the 3d that's out there in anime i think that uh, we, yeah we keep on mentioning it but yeah. we have done a little bit of 3d animations like student projects and oh yeah well, first of all doing 3d is incredibly tedious yeah uh, there's a lot of work before it actually starts to even look like anything. And even when you get it to look like something, there's always something off unless you like really, you have to really calculate. Like, well, the, your, yeah, the, you're, you're really hitting it there. Like I, and I'm, I'm doing some 2d animation right now, actually, I'm working on uh, an 11 second club, uh, competition submission, but in 2d, oh my God, cool. uh, yeah. So, and I, I'm a little out of practice anyway, that's just for, for context there. But like, it's one of my first times really kind of like in earnest trying to do a big 2D animation project and I'm kind of comparing it to my experience with 3D. And I find that like with 2D and maybe this is just my personal experience here, but like there's, there's you know, maybe you like draw it a couple times to get it right and then eventually you kind of, you've got it and then you you kind of just, once you've hit that point, you just, you draw that frame and you you know what the frame's supposed to look like and you get it. With 3D, there's a lot more like uh, it's almost the metaphor would be like like sculpture where you start with a big block of marble and you're kind of carving it out bit by bit. Yeah. And yeah. what that means is if you stop partway through, like you've got this like very rough sculpture that kind of looks like a dude, but not really. It doesn't really have the facial features like that's kind of what you get in 3D anime where they've like they've got things moving and the timing is maybe like kind of right, but they haven't gone in and like tweaked all of the the animation curves and made like you know exactly the right feeling of weight and with 3d i just think that audiences like can tell more than they can with 2d yeah when I mean, that kinda, stuff is off it kind of sucks because like you know we could have good 3d animation but it's just it's so easy to see that like the mistakes and where something looks off like you well, know it's because you have to do so much polishing right like that in, in my time. experience with 3D, it's like you are going in there on a motion that looks mostly complete and you are changing like a tiny like split second sort of transition between two different states of that character to be like, OK, now, like before before I made that one tiny tweak, this character looked like they were floating in zero gravity. And then I made this tweak and now they look like they're actually like moving. <laughs> You know, like, even even like I can say like, you know, when I've done just like really like small, tiny, you know, almost insignificant tweaks, like you put enough of them in and you get an appreciably better animation, but you can keep on putting more and more and more effort into it and it just keeps on getting better. But there's a limit to how much time you can spend on this one thing. And if we're talking about Japanese anime production, oh, you don't have the time to do that. I just feel like it's. I feel like with with Berserk, though, I feel like this is on another level than like Knights of Sidonia, which I felt was watchable and like 
I actually didn't mind the CG as much. And I feel like when I watch Berserk, I'm I just it's like so jarring. It's so jarring. What's who's the company that does uh, Berserk? I'm literally looking that up right now yeah. as we're talking. Because I want to I want to because there's always like that one company that just pumps Isn't it out the same all... company that did it's like the Knights one... of Sedonia. It's like so. the same. Oh, OK, OK. Oh, snap. OK, OK. Wait, wait. All right. No way. Who is it? <laughs> wait, what? Uh, wait, I'm, I'm still confirming because there's a lot of different companies involved here. Um, there's two studios credited, which I imagine one is doing 2D and one is doing 3D. And this we're is on the uh, edge of it, our seats. We're is, on the edge of our. We're David, David, I'm <laughs> gonna. I'm about to convince you to watch Berserk. Um, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to do this to you. What? Okay, so the CG is done by a studio called Gemba, is what it looks like. But there, it's co-produced by. Malepensy. You recognize that name, David? Oh, I recognize that name. You know what Malepensy did? <laughs> it's going to get better. That's not where it stops. Malepensy produced the latter parts of Take You after Mappa stopped producing it. But importantly, and I knew this, I forgot about this, but I did know this. The director of the new Berserk TV series is Shine Takaki, the director of every season of Take You. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that is so weird it's the weirdest thing like how the, like I- itagaki is like totally a like an imaishi style just wacky like like his style is totally oh. just imaishi's yeah, insanity that, and like berserk oh, does not feel like the that the makes no sense for itagaki <laughs> yeah. oh my god oh i'm definitely watching this after we finish recording <laughs> Oh yeah, God. I told you I was going to convince you to do it. All I need to do okay, is say take okay, you. So now, it's a now, now my mission is to find the take you soul inside of Berserk. <laughs> I'm going to find it. Report back to the podcast. You have to do like a deep. You have to do like a deep dive, like a special yes. like write up. <laughs> I'm going to oh like rewatch God. take you and watch Berserk at the same time, and oh, I'm going to look right. for all the beats and just like that. Just the, the the bits of the the spirit that they've put in into Berserk. I'm you gonna know, find if, it. If you play Berserk so backwards, exciting. it's actually a Take You episode. <laughs> <laughs> or it's no, it's a it's a slowed down Take You episode. It's if you stretch out a, a Take You episode, it just becomes a Berserk episode. <laughs> berserk is Berserk is Take You just slowed down. Okay. It's at half All speed. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm now. I'm, wow. already, I'm already I'm already hyped about this. Wow, I'm so glad I could help you, you know, watch Berserk. If you think about it, Berserk <laughs> is really just um, Game of Thrones with Senpai. Yes! Stop. <laughs> That's the worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Uh, well, uh, I didn't have any transition there to go into Girl on the Shore. Uh, I don't think um, I don't think we should attempt to do so. I think it deserves its own space. Okay. I agree. I think anything by anything by Asano Inio deserves its own space. I don't know how I could like not know his name when his stuff is like my some of my favorite work. Uh yeah. So, so that's actually, why you're here. Right. That's why I'm here. Um so we want I wanna get the initial opinions out of the way because we got I wanna like, you know, figure out where we stand on oh, well, Girl on the Shore. Yeah, all right. <sighs> Broadly speaking, because I, I do want to I do want to like actually establish what this thing's about. But I would say I am bad cop, but I, I'm like a, you know, I'm like bad cop with a heart of gold. Like I, I'm not that mean. 
So then I'll be I'll be the good cop, but kind of like you know, eh, is he really good? Okay, yeah, like you're cool. you're like mostly Paragon Shepherd, but you 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 did headbutt the Krogan. Well, I'm a loose cannon. <laughs> oh, with the heart yeah. of gold. Wait, that means that you're the okay. bad cop. You can't do that. <laughs> the bad cop is the loose cannon. David, are you? Well, did um, we play Mass Effect the right way? <laughs> David, are you Dysboro or are you John Sleepy Estes? <laughs> <laughs> which, I don't. I don't know what which color ending in did Magma they get. Thirty four. Are you? Am I the blue ending, the green ending, or the red ending? <laughs> We're mixing our metaphors here. All right. So, a girl on the shore is uh, a manga by Inio Asano, uh, which I think is. I think Asano is his uh, family name. Yeah. So I think so. Yeah. So Inio yeah. would be his his given name, but uh, mm-hmm. some people do say Asano Inio. Which I say is Asano Japanese Inio. It's, yeah. 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 So he is a, uh, a seinen manga artist who created Solonin, uh, Goodnight Poon Poon, Nijigahara Holograph, and A Girl on the Shore, and a bunch of other things. I had actually only read Solonin before this, which oh, wow. is apparently very different from most of it's his work. Com- <laughs> it's completely... I've, I've read... Disclaimer, I've read everything he's put out. And Solonin is by far, like, the most tame yeah, thing that that's he's what I've done. Heard. Tame and, like, yeah. grounded. It's all very realistic. Yes, um, yes. I mean, I really liked it because it was just a very kind of real, you know, human drama. Like, it was just a lot more mm-hmm. so, especially at the time I read it, I think I was kind of coming off of reading a lot of shonen manga. And it was like, mm-hmm. oh, it's just real people in the real world. Well, also, well, you're like a you're also like a songwriter and like a guitar player. So mm-hmm. right, I feel right. like there's like the a theme. relatability thing going on there, too. Um, but I mean, Solonine's like award winning mm-hmm. and it's it's super, super, super good. And David, I know you're um, a fan, so have you, you've read other stuff, right? Oh, well, fan. I don't know about fan, but oh. I did read Nijigahara Holograph, and I went back to it again, actually, before recording this podcast yesterday, and I devoured that thing in one sitting. Like, I knew it was good, but I don't think I really, like, got all of it the first time I read it, and then the second time was like, oh, wow, okay. Maybe I need to... I, I've read it twice, because I bought, I bought, like, the hard... Yeah copy or whatever like the huge yeah. one yeah from it's like Kino. is that drawn in quarterly or something it's like a or fantagraphics or something yeah yeah, yeah. fantagraphics yeah i feel like i could use like a third reading because i feel like both times i've read it i i was relatively confused but i think yeah it's it's definitely a lot um it takes flight instantly and it's like it's got like this really cool cinematic vibe to it where mm-hmm. everything's cut really quickly and then you're like wait what and then it'll yeah. just switch to another character's perspective um but that's Nichigahara holograph uh we're talking yeah. about a girl on the shore yeah. which is not cinematic really but it is kind of like art house drama which is mm. how i've seen described it um so yeah david do you want to maybe describe what it's about because i will probably screw it up if I try to describe the plot. Uh, it's horny teenagers trying to fill the emptiness of their lives with uh, very crazy sexual antics. Yes. Uh, but they kind of end up emptier all for it. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel like it's it's by far his most, like, um, sex-focused work. Like, he has yeah. a bunch of, like, he explores, like, sexuality and like especially like young young adults teenagers like exploring their sexuality and like a bunch of his stuff like poon poon had like a lot of that but i definitely feel like this is by far like his horniest work <laughs> put that on the back of the book 
By far, Asana, Asana's corniest work. That's, that's the full quote right there. I feel like you just op- you should open up the front page and it should just say like like horny ahead warning. Right. You yeah, know? I think I think even like just recording this, we kind of like have to you know you know uh, parental discretion. You know, this is not yeah. something you want to listen to with your mom in the room. Oh, so that, it was the other parental. Like, this wasn't parents be warned about listening to this in front of your kids. This is kids Holy be shit. warned about listening to this in front of your parents. Oh, my God. Because, you know, we got to talk to the kids about right, right, this. Right, the youths. Because we the do. parents, I feel like the adults. Uh, my initial reaction to the manga, because I've read it twice now, was revulsion. Because I hated the characters yes. so much. Yeah, they all suck. But, I mean, they're teens, right? So what I, else do you expect? I like, I like... I liked and I still like Isobe. Like uh, I can't not like him. So Isobe is the the guy in this relationship, yeah. yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm Sato Sato's the the girl that he's chasing after, but he just he can't can't have her. He, he can have her like he oh, he has her like a whole bunch in the manga. The biblical sense, but he, yeah. Like there's that emotional gap between them that is he just can yeah, never I mean, that, that's really cross what the, it. the core of what it's about, right? Is that like these two characters have a sexual relationship that's not actually like mirrored by their romantic relationships which i, I mean is like actually it's a very common thing but like the mm-hmm. they have a very very dysfunctional relationship where it's like he likes her and she likes someone else but she's going to him for like sexual gratification right it's like a it's like a boredom thing i i will say that when i when i got i bought this manga like from vertical at an anime convention same and um yeah and i read it in one sitting and when i started it i had no idea like what it was going to be about so i was very unprepared (laughs) me too so yeah yeah yeah. the first (laughs) the first time the first time i read it i was actually legitimately uncomfortable for like a a big part of it i was just i was like whoa (laughs) yeah it's i mean it's like uh one of the the most prominent aspects of the manga is how uncomfortably intimate it is like you're you get to know these characters in in ways out really yeah in ways that are really not you know they're they're, you get too close you know too much Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. tmi yeah yeah um which is you know is the point right that like you're you're seeing the the insides of this relationship the manga that it is without without it Yeah. yeah I feel like most of his writing wouldn't be the way it is without that, like, level of, like, psychological, Mm -hmm. just, like, low level of comfort. I do. I compared it to when I was reading it. um, I don't know if either of you have read Scum's Wish. I have not. Okay. No. Um, No, That was something you were really into when you were the manga brand manager. Yeah. So it's on Crunchyroll. But it's, it's very similar in the sense that, like, in Scum's Wish, it's a group of teenage kids who are, like bored and miserable and so they just compensate for that by having sex and like being in these weird relationships that aren't that don't involve romantic feelings and i think they're very similar yeah yeah i was trying to go into my uh history of like weird sex manga that i've read (laughs) um I mean, I guess like Flowers of Evil is kind of yeah. like that. No, the, the, where the, it's this, like, yeah, this is definitely. very much in the same family as Flowers of Evil in my head. Like it's kind of like yeah, like that kind of category. I don't know if any of you guys uh, read what's it called, Sundome? Or oh, heard of it? I, I I know about that. I've I remember heard of hearing it. about it. I've never read it. Yo, that manga was crazy. <laughs> All right, that was, but 
Yeah, it was a lot more comic and lighthearted. Not so much in the end, but uh, that's like the that's the difference because Inosano is really real, but his characters are so extreme at times that it's like it's kind of like theater to just mm-hmm. watch these people kind of you know like ha- try to hash out their feelings and mm, they hurt each other in ways. It's like. You know, th- this isn't really how I'd expect people to react, but I'm kind of like in Inyo Sano's universe where I can kind of buy into the uh, the realism of how they act. Yeah, I, f- I feel like in Girl on the Shore, there was like a level of disconnect for me personally from the characters. I feel like when I read Poon Poon, I was so invested in these. And when I read Solani too, I was so invested in yeah, these characters Solanine. and just, yeah, yeah and just... I wanted them to succeed or I wanted them to go away or I, (laughs) and I like thought about them. But when I read girl on the shore, I just was not invested. I was like, Oh, these are just like teens that are being, you know, ridiculous. The the question is, is that the point? Right. And I'm, I'm not totally sure if I I have an answer for that, but like, does Asano not want us to identify with the characters? Cause I kind of agree. Like I didn't, I wasn't rooting for them. It's just sort of tragic that, that they just can't like, they can't sort this thing out, right? It just, yeah. it all kind of just like is constantly falling apart. I feel like his writing style is usually um, character, so character focused that I feel like one of his goals are to get you to connect with his characters. And I feel like this this manga and then the other one that I never remember the name because I disliked it so much. Um, one of the ones we didn't mention, I just didn't care about the characters at all. What a Wonderful World. That's one yeah, that I, yeah, have, yeah, yeah. I haven't read. Bad. Yeah. yeah, definitely one of the things for me, and uh, I kind of feel bad I hadn't, I didn't go back and reread it, is like, I didn't always feel like I I got, like, this is actually very similar to me with, uh, with like, Flowers of Evil. Didn't always feel like I got what Asana was trying to say. Um, like, you know, with just the sort of overarching message of it, it, it feels a lot like just a, whatever you know sound and fury signifying nothing which may be the point or maybe i'm just not kind of picking up on it i don't know if david you had like a a reading of kind of what the the point is we Uh, should david david you should give like some background to it too because i feel like or like a quick rundown of mm -hmm. like what it is about yeah well there was a lot of stuff that we didn't cover because we like you know initially you're hit with like the whole you know horny teenagers bit but it's not it's not just that because the guy isobe is dealing with uh, the death of his brother mm-hmm. and it's really weird because he's kind of like trying to replace his brother in a way and that's where a whole the title a girl on the shore comes in because his brother had left him all this stuff and part of that included these photos of this girl and i'm not too sure if he knew who this girl was but he kind of yeah no, i don't think there's he a does. bit of an obs- there's like kind of an obsession with it because he is trying to in a way, kind of, you know, have Sato develop some romantic feelings for him. Um, but he's going about it the wrong way because he's, you know, he brings up this girl. Sato knows about this girl. Sato's photos, the girl she, he's having sex with. Yeah, right. But she doesn't really know the deal with his brother. And, you know, in a way, because he's acting like his brother, but he's also himself and he wants to, you know, he does, you know, he is trying to pursue a normal something like a normal relationship with Sato, but he's also just got all these things messed up with them. And Sato's not really perfect either. Cause she doesn't know what she wants. Like she, she's got this boyfriend she's that is like, she, she's like, 
kind of going out with this guy, but he does he just completely neglects her, right? And not and not only that, but like when <laughs> when they do when they do call her out for like a like a summer trip or whatever, uh, she is pretty disgusted with them, and so there you know there's that point where in like the middle of the manga where Isobe and Sato just, they kind of do connect in a way, mm-hmm. but the only thing that they've known about each other is just to like want each other in a really physical aspect. So they kind of just like lose it. And then they just have sex nonstop, like all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's that they like the, yeah. I guess, yeah, kind of the overarching theme is that these characters, uh, and this is, I guess, why the intimacy, like the uncomfortable intimacy for the reader is important. Mm-hmm. It's like these reader, these characters are l- kind of letting each other into these like very intimate parts of themselves physically, but are locking each other out of the actual emotional intimacy, intimacy right? All right. So, you know, at, at the end, it's like they kind of, you know, they get these initial feelings out, but they're still lost in the world. They still don't know what they want. And that's where the tragedy comes in because they've got things that they clearly want and can't have. Like Isobe is never going to have his brother back. He's never going to become his brother. He's never going to replace his brother in any Mm -hmm. sort of way. And, you know, he's got like that usual, like, you know, that teen angst where he's like, he feels like his life at some point is going to come to an end and it's coming soon. Inio explored some some things that I think were cool though. Like he the whole thing where um where Isobe like took over for his brother moderating that internet like how he runs an anime blog. That's yeah, insane. Yeah. Oh, right, the right, right. Blog. That was that was cool. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and running another, an anime blog is pretty cool. I agree. Any Twitter is what he is. <laughs> No, yeah, no wonder he's got so many problems. <laughs> right? No. Another thing that, that got explored in that manga that was confusing to me, but also um, he, Inio has explored in other manga where, like, where Isobe was, like, wearing girl clothes and stuff. And oh, Inio yeah. has definitely explored, like, oh, gender yeah. identity stuff in There's a whole in bunch of stuff like that, though. Well, well he... I know that... Well, I know in, that, that he, in that manga, there's, like, just a oh, lot of... Oh, there's a ton of stuff. There's a ton of stuff, but he never like you know has like you're never... you almost you almost want them to like just have like a full page like you know what's going on in his head, but it's just it's just images. No, I know it makes yeah. I I really wanted to know like more about that, and I wasn't sure if he was putting that in the manga as something to make us wonder about Isobe's identity or anything like that, or for it to be like some some like sex related thing and i really hoped it was like the former because i know that inio asano has like talked about in the past his own like gender and not being a hundred percent sure on it and stuff and so Mm. i feel like he he plants these things in his work that are um like a direct representation of who he is Mm. as a person. And I think like, that's really cool. Yeah. You know, like works like that. You never really get away from the whole, like, you know, how much of yourself do you put into this work? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And well, you know, there, there's some really extreme stuff in here, but it doesn't really seem like, you know, it's meant for like, you know, titillation or just to be provocative or anything. Yeah. Yeah. I felt, I felt like the, all the stuff, all of like the, the stuff that you see Isobe doing when he's alone is meant for you to connect more with that character or like wonder more about that character. So that right. definitely that definitely is what happened when I 
read that stuff. Yeah, I think I think that's cool. And I love that he does that because I remember in in Poon Poon, he did those those little he did those little panels where he was a potato and he was like he like drew himself as a potato and he's and he like wrote about gender and it was like really cool. And um, he was like, hey, who cares? Like and I just I feel like he's like continuing that. And that's just super cool to me. One of the things I'm thinking about. Uh, and I'm sort of flipping through as we talk to refresh my memory on some of the specific scenes is like, do you think that the characters are specifically setting themselves up to like, they're sort of setting themselves up to fail. Like they don't want, like they, they want to feel like they're in a relationship without being in a relationship. I think that's the case for Isobe. Okay. I don't know if that's the case for Sato. I feel like in, at least in the beginning, up until she sees those pictures of the girl on the shore, mm-hmm. She definitely just, I feel, was using him. Well, for I, I, I mean, the fact that she's got this other guy that she likes, and like, it's sort of like, but why wouldn't she leave that other guy? And, and she didn't really, she didn't really like that other guy, right? It wasn't like well, it was like an infatuation, right? Yeah, with that guy. But I, I felt like that was more of like a a way of her thinking, like, you know, it's it's such a, like a teen thing where like she kind of feels a little bit more adult, a little bit more, you know up in the world if she has this older boyfriend Mm. so Mm. there's a lot there's a lot more going on with the infatuation with this um with this older guy because you know i think he like has like a car or something it's like there's like all all this a real jerk i mean there's like all like this really um shallow teen stuff involved in her emotions but that's like you know that's that's really you know like you want to (laughs) i mean in and like a really kind of you know and like some sort of fantasy, you know, you would want to like, you know, find somebody that, you know, maybe has more things than you do or like makes you feel a little better about yourself. Like, wow, me and my amazing, you know, whoever I'm with right now. So there, there's definitely that involved. And you know, Isobe is not really looking into that. His, that, that, you know, that, that's that thing that we talked about because you got to really like, there's a lot of instances where you get glimpses into Isoba's head but you don't really understand the whole mm-hmm. story it confused me a bunch because there were there were so many instances where I was like oh he really likes her and sometimes where I thought oh she likes him and they're gonna date or whatever and then when those pictures surfaced and he <clears throat> like became infatuated with the girl on the shore it was like I got so confused well, at was that, that really, point I was, was that really an infatuation I thought that was more of just like something it that he like, did to like just make her jealous because he didn't really oh. have anything going for him no then, i mean I, I definitely read it the same way danica did that he like and this is why i i was sort of thinking in terms of they're like they're grasping at things that they know are unattainable like literally the the pictures of the girl on the shore are like he knows on some level whether or not you know the manga ever says it like he knows that that is not a person he will ever have a relationship with right mm-hmm. but that's maybe kind of like comforting Right, that he like that that he's like trying to. It's he, sort of easier like, to reach for this, something unattainable yeah, than it is to like actually have to though, hold on to something. Because he knows and he's comfortable, and he's completely fine with just having this person that's just so you know unattainable. And then there's Sato, who's right there, right, exactly, and she has completely refused him on an emotional level. I mean, she refused him until she got jealous, and then she. Was like, please date me. Well, I mean, me. he it it also builds over the course of the manga. I feel like, like yeah. she she definitely yeah. starts to like him over time. Yeah, it's just kind of I think 
the the catalyst for her realizing it. I don't know if she likes him though, or if that is just a projection of her loneliness and her. I I, I definitely didn't. I never felt at any point that her wanting to date him was like a sincere thing. I thought that maybe she liked him a little bit, but I always felt like she was just using him and like projecting her own like yeah. her own loneliness onto him. I don't I know. I think I think by the time they get to the point where you know they're they're done, they're kind of you know gotten the whole physicality out of their system and they actually just kind of like just lay there and you know just talk about you know how kind of how like they feel for each other and like where they're at in their lives but at that point they really they really hurt each other to such a degree that getting together in any sort of like normal relationship is just it's not it wouldn't happen and even if it did i don't think it would like really just last because they're still they're still growing older mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, they're very young. I forget if their ages were. They're back like then. fifteen years old. Yeah, they got to be like fifteen. Damn, that's a lot. That's overwhelming. We did talk a lot about story, but we did not talk about Asano's art, which I do think we should touch on before oh we finish. Oh my gosh, yeah. it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, I I really like Asano's art. If we're actually just talking about the the sex scenes, like one of the things I kind of appreciate is that like these characters look like children because they are, and they're like. They're they're not drawn like they're drawn in a fairly realistic way. I think their faces tend to have like some you know anime but his abstraction dick glows. Well, it does do that. Yeah, oh my it's like it's dick. like this white rod. Yeah, I mean no, that's because he's yeah. Japanese and that's what happens with Japanese dicks. Uh, oh, that's yeah. insane! All of them. It that's was cool. like a, every single one of them. It was a glowing. Yeah, yeah. It, that was that was an interesting thing. It even had those like lines. Like it was literally glowing uh no i think that's just that that is just the censorship thing though uh, <laughs> i know i know i know wait yours was censored uh, i thought this was supposed to come on censored right. <laughs> but uh but like evan can you stop censoring anime you know i can't i work at crunchyroll uh your source for anime and censorship yeah uh, you're part of the problem evan uh we deserve to have everything uncensored is what i'm saying okay yeah yeah uncensored va- vance in the vampire bund is what i was about to say but uh, dancing the vampire bun. <laughs> what about so? What about so? There were there were some pages that I actually have photos of on my phone still. That um, some of the two page spreads that were in there. Um, I feel like his backgrounds are incredible. I did want to. Well, they're just photos, right? They look like they might be. I wanted to be really clear that when I said like the characters look like children, specifically that was because it it accentuates the like uncomfortable intimacy of it because otherwise that sounded weird if i said that like i'm really it already sounded weird when you first said it i was it was entirely on purpose for me to go on a tangent and then to just stop you there so we can just you know it's just a sound bite but i think it makes it 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 makes them appropriately appear vulnerable right because it's like oh these are not fully formed adults having sex these are children these Mm -hmm. are teenagers who don't know what they're doing Mm -hmm. yeah anyway yeah the backgrounds are super detailed they probably are Based on f- heavily on photo reference, right? Like a lot of these things yeah, usually yeah. are. Yeah, you know, it's it's totally photos, but they're I mean they're nice photos. <laughs> and it's a it's I a just, real location, I, right? It's all like it's all. I think it takes place in like an actual town. I think so. Yeah, I just I love I love his art so much, like the way he draws characters yeah. and everything. I just love his art style. So I like I like the very real. Uh, renditions of all those Apple computers oh in God, Asano's yeah. work. It's like, it's David just it's so hell. accurate. It's so accurate to just 
We we go back in in time a little bit to like um, Power Book, uh, like the G fours, and that's like that's a very specific time in the world. And then um, there's also that uh, that scene in. Uh, well, he didn't do perfect insider. He only did the character designs yeah. in that. Yeah, yeah. Just the the the, the Mac. Did the character the, uh, and the Mac designs. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. But like that. That was that. Just felt when I saw that again in A Girl on the Shore. I was like, oh, well. So I guess the the Mac in the Perfect Insider is kind of Asano like. I don't know. I just I attribute like really like computer porn with the uh, Asano. Like actual like porn of computers, like where it's like just yes, wait, <laughs> like really detailed. <laughs> are you saying there's a connection between these these two stories? Like, because the kids, what are they? How old are they? Are they? Wait, are they? Fifteen. Oh. Everything oh. becomes fifteen. <laughs> Everything is fifteen. <laughs> Oh yeah, I forgot. I forgot that's what it meant. I forgot that's what it was. Spoilers for the Perfect Insider. That, that, uh, that don't show, watch it. That show is good. <laughs> no, I, I don't like, watch it, I but buy the bread show. shirt, don't, which is really good. Don't yes. listen to Evan. Um, I yeah, I, I always really liked. Uh, I, I like Asano's very good at like reaction shots and things. Right, these close-ups of characters just sort of frowning and looking away, and just like it, that's what this whole manga is about. Is just you know teenagers being embarrassed. So. Mm. It, it works really well right i mean he just i think you kind of said david right that these characters sometimes the way they act is like it's realistic but exaggerated uh and it, it feels that way it's like every everybody you know reacts intensely to the stimuli around them but i guess not in a um not in a sort of cartoonish way where they're they're like ah mm. screaming or no, something it's never it's never cartoony but it's also it really helps that asano knows how to frame a shot yeah in a manga and i really that's that's what i really liked about nishigahara holograph because of that whole cinematic angle that it takes throughout mm-hmm. its story because it's just it's generally one of my things where it's like one medium kind of aping the the um something in a different medium so like nishigahara holograph feels like entirely just ready to become a movie at any point but it's still a manga and because of a manga you, you kind of have that advantage where it's like you know you do one scene and your reader has to flip the page to find out like okay what happens next and then what happens next is like just completely just nothing you anticipated and like whoa where is the story going now so that's the, you know just a really holler laugh is really good it's like i really like that like <laughs> maybe Can maybe i'm not entirely on board with the girl on the shore but uh i think i would have to read more asano now after that pum pum's the best yeah, yeah, that's really popular. Like, it's weird that it took so long for it to come out here. I've been hearing about Poon Poon forever, really. Well, that was like, I mean, I think it was just a licensing thing. Everybody I, I was imagine. having, yeah. he was not licensing it to anyone. Like, and I'm happy that he did because it's like, it's so good. It's the best. Evan, you should read that. And so should you, David. I probably, you yeah, I'll probably try. Yes. It's so good. After Berserk. Right, after you watch Shin Itagaki's <laughs> TQ yeah, Season 9 or whatever after it my, is. After my Berserk TQ think piece on is there really, Gamers. Is there really a point to watching Berserk now that the manga's on hiatus, like, again? Berserk is the most 
the most disappointing franchise <laughs> that exists. I mean, it's 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 the best, but it's the most disappointing. All right, David, I, I want to establish here. Uh, take you. I had to check it. It only has seven seasons, so you are now free to refer to the CG 2016 Berserk as Take You Season 8. Honorary Season <gasps> 8, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> wow, perfect. All right, well, uh, I think we can actually transition into questions because we have a question, or I think two questions here, from, uh, from listeners about A Girl on the Shore. So Denny Angel on Twitter asks... Uh, did y'all go in blind when you read this? Was the content shocking or did you expect it knowing Inio Asano? We sort of talked about the content being shocking. Uh, eating eating yeah, the poop. It, uh, it was... Eating the poop. Yeah, there was... there was. I mean, you kind of know what you're getting into with his stuff, but I feel like I wasn't prepared for all of that sex. I was not. Like I, I, wasn't. I wasn't actually prepared for any sex. Or I mean, whatever. I could have <laughs> been prepared for like some, but not for the whole thing being about sex. <laughs> Based on the cover image alone, I just didn't think it was going to be about sex for some reason. Yeah, because the cover image is just a girl standing at, on the shore. Uh, Vertical really knows yeah. how to make its covers right? and make you kind of not know what you're going to go into. Yeah. I mean, you pick up a cup volume of Gundam The Origin, sure, you know what's going on. But you pick up a copy of a girl on the shore and you're like, oh, well, this this looks like a, like a real kind of like, you know, like a drama sort of thing. And then you open it up, and like the first couple of chapters, there it's just kids having sex. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I um, when I first started reading this manga, I uh, opened it on the train to work ah, when I was working at yeah. Crunchyroll, and I like three pages in, I was like, well, got to put this one away. That's like the time I read <laughs> Lychee Light Club in an IHOP. Oh no. <laughs> 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 that's kind of good that's kinda, that that's fitting actually i hadn't read it i didn't know what was in it and i opened it up and uh a woman has her intestines <laughs> ripped out by a bunch of schoolboys, and i was like wow welcome to ihop well wasn't those, your those copy like kids. wrapped in plastic and had like an 18 plus sticker no, on I, it because my borrowed did. it from uh from kathy at school oh okay <laughs> yeah mine mine also i bought mine from i think i bought mine from from the booth and and mine didn't have a sticker on it I don't remember, but we're not prepared anyway. <laughs> um, yes, I'm, I definitely, yeah, I, I went in basically blind. I bought it because it was Asano and I hadn't read Asano in a while and I was hearing good stuff about it and I was like, okay, and just bought it from the booth basically. So I kind of went in blind. Uh, mm. uh, could at least appreciate that a uh, girl on the shore is a lot less rapey than Nijigahara holograph. Oh boy! All right, yeah. There's no. Yeah, that yeah. was that was a really uh, abusive manga on top of you know just everything else that's going mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we have another question here from Damon Corpse or Core uh, C O R P S. It's not like a corpse; like they're not it's dead. Core. It's Core Damon Core. Uh, yeah, but I don't. Th- this it needs to be spelled because there's no right way to say that where it's not going to be confusing. Uh, they ask, do you think? Keisuke ended up getting arrested at the end. Did he even care by that point? Which one's Keisuke? I'm doing like a Dave and Joel thing here where every character is Tanaka in my head. <laughs> I think it's got to be Sobe, right? Oh, is that his like his? Because he's the one. Yeah, that's, you're probably he's the right. one approached by by the cops at the end. Okay. We didn't really talk about like what he does. I feel so like this, we can at least leave this that out. This is a out. spoiler for the end of A Girl on the Shore. Yeah, I feel like it's uh, it is probably not 
all that important whether he gets arrested, right? I think the the whole idea, uh, I, I think the the question kind of kind of alludes to this. It's like, did he even care at that point? I think the idea is like he kind of didn't, right? He was he was kind of done. Care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That ending was so the weird, whole thing's really from weird. like how he so re- how he reacted because he did all of this and then suddenly he's like he's fine and he's just doesn't want anything anymore it's almost like he's just achieved an enlightened state well i mean right i mean i still don't feel like i totally get it but the more we talk about it i feel like maybe i do like it he did something right he didn't just like stay in a state of equilibrium and that's kind of he didn't just sit in his room and jerk off right and like the the even though what he did is like you know maybe not not great like beat some people up uh even if they were bad people maybe maybe not the best way to you know let off yeah, some it's steam. Like it's, so, it's uh, like such a it's like such a teen thing to just beat up some delinquents in front of the 7-Eleven. Yeah, yeah, a very common Japanese like teen thing. Was... Um, mm-hmm. yes. But like, I think it's like a, it's catharsis, right? It's like he was able to. He has all this like frustration and confusion and anger, and he did something, and then it's like, all right, now now my head's sorted out, <laughs> right? That's the th- that's the thing though, because he says he's like he's completely over everything, but he's still a fuck up. And I'm pretty sure he's still got problems yeah, yeah. that he's got to sort out at the end. And whether or not he goes to jail or whatever equivalent of uh, whatever they do to minors uh, over it's, there. It's Battle Royale. Uh, Battle, yeah. Battle Royale. Battle Royale. Okay, so after, after A Girl on the Shore, um, read Battle Royale or watch the movie. The movie's pretty good, too. Uh, that will tell you everything about what happens to Isobe right. after the cops yeah, catch yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the... Uh... I mean, Girl on the Shore is the prequel to Battle Royale because Battle Royale came first. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So we do have two email questions. We have one from Zane Holland. I'm going to read this whole thing because he says some nice stuff in here. Just wanted to say there was that was a great episode. Bamboo was great. I'm going to have to watch Chihaya Fudu now since you keep talking about it. That was from last episode. Please go yes, listen to that. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so in return, you need to watch Sweetness and Lightning. I haven't watched it yet. Sorry. Uh, yes. The show is super nice, happy slice of life-ish, but the subtle realness of father and daughter experiences is amazing in my opinion i like it he says realness it's like the real the realness i like, realness. I like yeah. yeah to me when you say realness i'm like oh so the dad is like an assassin like realness of father and daughter is is taken right because it's not it's not reality it's realness <laughs> that's uh, that's such a real movie <laughs> no but I, I get what you're you're getting at zane um have you watched uh, sweetness and lightning danica I watched some of it, but I read the manga. Okay. Well, like I like I yeah, still do. I read and some it's of it. Very, very, very good. Yeah, it's it's. I, th- I think we might have talked about it a little bit on this show. Like it's very, uh, very sweet. What I read of the manga, I'm always sweet. Would you say it's sweet and light? Okay, get it. It's not even light. It's lightning. <laughs> it's different. <laughs> so the thing about it is that it's, you know, there's like an element of creepiness that I'm always I'm always wary of there, like. The, it's mainly the high school girl in that show that throws me off and i haven't really watched the anime oh yeah they're it's yeah like, okay him and his daughter sure but you put the high school girl in the mix and it's like this this seems like it's maybe trying to aim for a, another audience here <laughs> like yeah it feels it feels it feels a bit unnecessary but i feel like the people like i feel like people who watched wakako zake mm-hmm. enjoy sweetness and lightning i just feel like it's it's in that like cooking it's yeah it's category and then mixed mixed with like just this nice family like Mm -hmm. slice of life stuff is like very nice but uh well so zana i actually has a question not just a recommendation uh (laughs) 
I have never been to a con, but keep thinking about it. Uh, it keeps ruminating about conventions. Uh, will it ruin my joy of everything anime, or should I give it a try? Will the hardcore otaku and weebs turn me off of anime? If you're lucky, they will, and then you'll never have to worry about Japanese <laughs> cartoons again for your whole life. Um, you just have to be you just have to be selective about which convention, and I'm sure we all have some recommendations. Yeah, uh, Otakon and Otakon, and nothing else. Yeah, <laughs> Otakon and um and uh, Fanime for like fan driven convention. This depends on the region of America that you're at. Yeah, True. yeah. I mean, general generally, just like being an old man, uh, I'm tired. To be clear, David is not I, an old man, but David has the soul of an I, old man. I am ancient, <laughs> pos- like just absolutely ancient. Uh, I at th- at this point, I feel like I go to conventions more to just do work for Evan and the blog, unpaid uh, work. So I'm a really, I'm really like the wrong person <laughs> to ask about this. I feel uh, like they're, I feel like they're really good for friends, like to see your friends too and they're like a good social experience yeah i mean on top on top of yeah, everything for me, else. there's definitely still an element of like meeting guests or like just you know going to panels with guests and learning things and going to panels from you know smart people we've talked about that before on this show like there's an element of education for me but definitely a big element of social stuff but it's really important i feel like the first time you go to a convention to have people you know there whether they're internet friends oh, or real absolutely. life friends or whatever uh like even if it's i don't know like even if it's just like somebody who you follow on twitter or something and they're doing a panel like even that is kind of something at least though i would recommend you don't try to like spend the whole convention with them because they don't really know you until they've met you you know a couple times or whatever or they, they like hanging out with you because uh, i've definitely seen that happen that's that's weird yeah just just go yeah. go with friends and like just wait until 2017 and go to Crunchyroll's right. like anime like thing anime that they're New doing. York. Yeah. But yeah, be yes, hanging anime out with like having at least one friend or somebody you can sort of like, you know, meet up with is good. And then, yeah, just always be open to meeting new people because you're at a perfect, perfect place to meet new people because you like anime. Yeah. They like anime. You're all socially awkward nerds. It's perfect. It's like, it's like the one time in the year when you can meet a real live person that likes the dumb thing that you're into. Yeah. And it's not you in the mirror. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. Or somebody on the internet. But the also important question is, yes. will the hardcore otaku and weebs turn me off of anime? They almost turned me off of it. When I first went to anime Boston, I stood at the top of the escalator. This is me as Evan speaking. I'm not reading the email. Uh, and I, I stood at the top of the escalator and I looked down at all the cosplayers and I was in like eighth grade or something. And I was like, uh, you know, Maybe I don't want to go to anime conventions. <laughs> and then I walked down the escalator and that's like, you know, then uh, the history was made. That's that's, that's my your journey. journey. Well, that, that's your journey. But, to uh, anime. I don't think that they'll turn you off because it's like the people on the no, Internet are they much won't. worse than people at conventions. So, I mean, clearly yeah. you've been on the Internet, Zane. Uh, you sent us an email. So you do know how how these things work. So. If you go to a convention, you'll find that like all the jerks from the internet are either not there because they don't leave the house. They're too cool. Uh, <laughs> they're absolutely not too cool. It, not leaving, not leaving the house, aka uh, too cool to be there. <laughs> or they are jerks on the internet, but as soon as they face a, a real human being, they're actually really nice. And a real hero. And a real human being and a real hero. Um, but yeah, it's like. People are super nice at conventions. It's a great place to meet people who like stuff that you like. 
they actually tend to be super social events full of people who are willing to just start up a conversation about anything, which is perfect if you like want to just meet people. True. Got another question here from Inaki, also known as Alive in the Wired, also known as friend of David, friend of the show. My bro. Gave me some ramen recommendations, I think, when I was in Japan. If I remember correctly. He knows his ramen. It's my only real interaction with Inaki, but he was cool. I hope he sent you to Jiro Ramen. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, so he says, I was re-listening to Anagamer's podcast number 62, Hot Single Pokemons in Your Area. I appreciate that he included the pun in the, uh, in the email. And it struck me that even though you both enjoyed the game, that's Pokemon Go, you seem to agree that it was, quote, bad, unquote. This is a view I've seen a lot in places... And aside from the early growing pains of the bugs and server issues, it's not one I can say I hold myself. My question is, what did you expect out of a Pokemon VR game, or I guess AR, as it were? How did it not meet those expectations, and what would you personally do to improve it? From my point of view, Pokemon Go really captures the sense of exploration and the fun of collecting, so I'm curious as to what other people wanted or expected from it. I also feel that a lot of the Pokemon systems we take for granted are really abstract and systemized and hard to realize in a real-world setting. Keep up the excellent work. Thanks for listening, Inaki. Thanks. Thanks for re-listening to episodes, which, I, yeah. I appreciate you a lot. So I think we talked about this a bit in that episode, but uh, I guess maybe we didn't describe what we thought was bad about it, which is reflects pretty poorly on us as critics. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've had more time with it, I guess. So Yeah, I, the, the thing about it is that the game is just, it's extremely repetitive in a way that I don't actually find all that satisfying. Uh, I haven't touched it in in three weeks, and I, I was playing it like yeah. every single day for the Honestly, first two. Honestly, I don't even have out. the app on my phone anymore. Same. Um, and like the the capturing hmm. of duplicate Pokemon is one of those things that is like it's the worst kind of grinding. I feel like like I, I I've definitely come across some forms of grinding that I do find satisfying in some way i actually think that some of the stuff in no man's sky was kind of satisfying just like mining stuff and bringing it back to the space station to sell it as much as that game is also repetitive and has a lot of issues but part of it is just that the interface is clunky and so like when an inner when like it's hard to do the grinding and the grinding is just catch the same pokemon over and over and over right like that's just it's not satisfying it's not a, you don't get a sense of accomplishment you're like i caught another weedle yes Right. All right. My my beef with it is that it was the summer of 2016 in New York City, and I did not ever want to be outside for any amount of time, ever. Yeah. Uh, and that really contributed to me just kind of like saying, well, I'm only going to catch like stupid Pidgeys at work. I think, uh, why load the app? I think that that's just a sign of weakness because I sure as hell <laughs> went to Central Park and... <laughs> Caught and caught a Ninetales and an Onyx and and yeah, yeah a no, Pikachu. I, you hear that, I David? You're through... weak. You're weak. No, you're because weak little my... Pokemon baby. Yes. Okay. But part part of my commute had me going into the corner of Central Park by the Apple Store where there was just that swarm of Pokemon Go players that surrounding that one statue. Uh, I caught an Electabuzz in there. I didn't even realize that Electabuzz was rare, and that was kind of strange too. Just the way that certain things were rare, like. I did not see a single Pikachu playing this game, and I think that was part of the failings. It's just that certain things were impossibly hard to find, um, 
and just like just the distribution felt really strange just the way that they did it and you know of course they it's because it's an online game they can constantly update it all the time but it's pokemon i want like you know changes to happen daily well, I, and mm-hmm. that was that's the thing though it's like there's a point where the game reaches like this static like for any free-to-play game where it's like you're doing the same thing day after day i also think the the server issues actually were a really big part of the issue like that was what, bad. because the game is already repetitive right and i think if you've got like if there's some eventual satisfying goal and the repetition gets you there and otherwise the game runs pretty smoothly like you can kind of deal with that and be like oh eventually i'll get the you know if i do enough of this thing i'll get something cool but when you end up spending literally more time waiting for the game to load or like restarting it when it crashes than you do playing the game that's that's like a fundamental problem where the game becomes unfun. True. I almost feel like that's kind of unavoidable though, with something new and unexpectedly explosively popular. Yeah. Like this was like the greatest app of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Or something like that. They like people were like just throwing out hyperbole left and right when it first came out. Um, now I guess things have kind of settled down at least like, Whoever's still playing now at this point is probably going to keep on playing. So if the yep, numbers yeah. are good, at least you've got you know that base to go off of. Because mm-hmm. before it was like everybody and their mom was playing, and that's not really an accurate reflection of just the kind of long term base that you can have for this sort of game. I mean, you saw the same thing with like the Wii mm-hmm. when the Wii mm-hmm. came out and was super successful, but that wasn't like a core audience that was you know going to buy a Wii U. Like, look at the Wii U. <laughs> yeah, I I think as I said before in the previous episode. It's uh, it like the primary interesting thing about that game, as far as I'm concerned, is the social dynamics around it. So all the other stuff about it was like if I I don't know if I predicted this on the show, but I was definitely talking about this. Like that'll probably wear off eventually because there's too much friction to actually engaging in those social dynamics that make it interesting because the game just makes it too hard to actually do the stuff that enables that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Pokemon Go, more like Pokemon has stopped. Oh. I yeah, I agree. Sorry. That is it for this episode. If you guys would like to ask us questions, please send us an email at podcast at anygamers.com. You can also give us any sort of feedback that you want. Also, we are on Twitter. I am at sign Vamptvo, V-A-M-P-T-V-O. I'm at sign QX20 XX. And I'm at sign Danica Herod. Nailed it. We got to say the at sign. <laughs> I'm at. How do you I'm, spell it? I'm also at sign QX20XX. No, I'm. Um, it's at sign D A N I K A H A R R O D. And uh, and Annie Gamers is on Twitter at sign A N I Gamers. I always say A N I, but like you know, you're listening to the show. You know how to spell Annie Gamers. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, though. Is it like a silent hyphen? Like right. There's no. There's no hyphen. It's it's one word. We also have show notes and comment threads and cool stuff like that on anagamers.com slash podcast. I should probably mention more often when I promote the show. If you're new to the podcast, I recommend you start at episode 50, which is uh, it's a little bit odd. You can always start at the beginning, but the current show format with me and David starts at episode 50. That's the kind of like when we started doing this consistent format. So uh, it, you could go back and listen to the old ones in which I'm in high school and but, I'm embarrassing. Like, you know, 
So <laughs> the uh, AGP number fifty is basically our uh, major label debut. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's the one. So you could listen to the indie stuff. Some people think it's better, but you know, I, I just think you know, once Brian Eno was involved, it really they kicked it into gear. <laughs> you can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Music. Pretty cool, bunch of different places you can go. Please review us. We want to get to the top of the iTunes chart. No, we're not going to get anywhere near the top <laughs> of the charts. But please, please review us because it helps more people find us. Uh, leave us a nice review about how it's not as good as the Crunchy Cast. Uh, one out of five stars. Well, you know what? Now that you're not on Crunchy Cast anymore, it's going to be better. This it's will always be, been no, better. no, not the Crunchy it's Cast. Been better not than the, the Crunchy, crunchy cast. cast. This, the yes, yeah. Take yes. that, Victoria. No, it's cool. Victoria and I are still cool. <laughs> Um, also speaking of other podcasts that are not the crunchy cast, cause I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> um, we, we're gonna be doing some stuff with ink and Jared soon. So look forward to that. Uh, you might've heard them on a previous episode, two episodes ago, I think where they did, uh, they talked about real life. Well, people seem to like it. I like it. I think we're gonna, we're gonna have them start doing more regular appearances. So you'll get some more podcast content to listen to. We'll uh, let you know about the details on that soon. You can also read me and David on anagamers.com. We write uh, reviews and columns and some other stuff there. I still uh, have to finish editing a game review yes. that David wrote. Like two months ago. I know, right? <laughs> he gets his stuff out first and then my stuff just languishes. In the, uh, uh, I do. I try bend. my best. I also write for Talk USA magazine. The latest issue has JoJo's Bizarre Adventure on the cover and I wrote a feature about Blood Blockade Battlefront and manga reviews for Kuroko's Basketball and Battle Rabbits. And I've got a bunch of other cool stuff coming up soon that you can check out. And Danica, you are, uh, are doing some cool stuff. People can find you uh, working on Vice stuff. Where is that? Where should they go? Um, follow Vice Gaming on Twitter and lots of cool stuff coming up there shortly. And... Um, I'm also making a bunch of music, so you can follow my SoundCloud. It's soundcloud.com slash Danica music. All yeah. anime music, right? It's just only you just only sing anime. about like, how much it's you like, like Inio Asana. Yeah, it's only anime remixes and um, like dubstep but, versions of like the Tokyo Ghoul opening over and over. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that's that's all we've got. Hey, I didn't have like a joke for that. I got cool. nothing. Um <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Danica, for uh, for being with us for this Thank episode. Thank you for having me. It was great. Yeah, we'll see you in two weeks or so, hopefully with another guest. We're trying to keep on actually having guests on the show. Goodbye. Bye. See ya. I'm totally going to cut this. Love, I love listening to Evan's like weird, fill weird the, noises. Fill in the silence. Yeah. It sounds like the girl from the grudge. That's me. That's my, uh, I, I was uncredited <laughs> in that role. We, we used to, we used to do that all the time in middle school when that movie came out. It was so annoying. DJ girl from the grudge. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's Evan's, that's Evan's DJ name.